Hey, hey, Star Wars fans, it's Gary here from Spark of Rebellion, and we would love for you to listen to all of our brand new episodes when they land every single Saturday. Make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice, or pop over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash listen. If you like the show and you want to support us, you can do that via our Patreon. Just head over to sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Patreon and come and join our other patrons. And thank you so much for your continued support. Now, may the force be with you and on to this week's Spark of Rebellion. Hello there. We would be honoured if you would join us. Hello there, welcome to Spark of Rebellion. On today's show, we're going to discuss, is the Mandalorian becoming too much too soon? I'm your host, Mark Asquith, and I'm flying solo this week. Mr. Gary Elliott, if you've been tuning in uh, for the last few weeks, you'll know that Gaz has flown solo for a few weeks. I've been moving house, which is always tumultuous, and uh, it's just been a little bit crazy. So, you know, when you're running a podcast, it's always good to have a... uh, a pilot that can take over and just do the Kessel Run on their own. So thank you guys for doing that. And it's my turn to do the same for him today. He's got a few things on that means he can't get to the show this week. But instead of not publishing, we always want to publish every single week. So we always make sure that we can put a show out, even if that is solo. So thank you to everyone that supports us. Thanks to everyone that's tuned into Gaza's episodes over the last month or so. But alas, I am back and we're going to discuss, like I said, the Mandalorian. Is it getting a little bit too big for its booze? And in particular, are Disney really looking to place too much on the broad yet new-ish shoulders of the flagship Disney Plus show? So we'll get into that in just one second. It's spurred on by a little bit of rumour, a little bit of potential news this week. But before we do that, just give us a shout out over on the Instagram, over on the Twitter and Facebook. Look, if you're, if you're a bit of a geek, which we all are, you're listening to a Star Wars podcast, all right? Let's not pretend. We're all geeks, and it's fantastic, all right? The geeks shall inherit the earth. Um, just let us know, all right? You know, we like a bit of banter. We like, like a bit of back and forth. We've got a few fantastic listeners who send us memes over on Facebook to the page, which I kind of want to do something with. You know, I, uh, I kind of want to do something with the memes. You know, maybe do something, uh, you know, meme of the week or something. I'll speak to Gaz about it. But yeah, just interact with us. Let us know what you think of of my views on The Mandalorian later after this particular episode. Let us know what the situation is in your part of the galaxy. And you can do that on any of the social media channels, Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. Just search for Spark of Rebellion. Also, if you want to become part of the crew, if you want to jump aboard the Falcon, if you want to become... The navigator, if you want to become maybe a cute little Paul that just stows away. Maybe you want to be the pilot. Whichever version of getting involved you want, you can do so over on Patreon. Now, Patreon is a way of giving back to the creators that you love. And if you enjoy what we do, this just basically takes time and a little bit of money to quote George Harrison. It's going to take time. And it does. You know, it takes a little bit of time. But we love it. And... If you want to give back, if you want to support the show and help us to reinvest back into making this show the best it can be, then you can do that at patreon.com slash sparkerrebellion. You're going to get some good stuff as well. You're going to get some good stuff. We've been a little bit slowed down with the pandemic. We've not been able to get into the office, which is where the uh, the stickers and stuff are. But uh, we should be able to get back in to get those dished out very, very shortly. So bloody COVID blighting us as normal. But you can still support the show at patreon.com slash sparkofrebellion. So... Let's talk Mando. The Mandalorian 
is back over the next couple of weeks. In the next two weeks, we will see season two premiering of The Mandalorian. And with it comes a lot of rumours. You know, we've spoken so many times on the show, Gaz and I, about not only the rumours, so we're talking everything from Ahsoka Tano to Burkerton Cries, through to Captain Rex and, of course, Boba Fett. And we've talked about the pros, the cons, the ups, the downs, the right, the wrongs, our opinions, ultimately, on season two. But... There are a couple of other characters that we've kind of discussed over the last few weeks that I just want to shine a bit more of a light on today. Namely, one Grand Admiral Thrawn, but in particular, Ezra Bridger. Now, the reason that I wanted to pick this up is that rumours have started swirling again. So Rahul Kohli, um, who is, um, he's kind of been a bit of a, you know, been a bit of a warm one over on Instagram. You know, he started posting some teasers. Uh, he did a teaser over on Instagram where he's got his Lucasfilm sweatshirt on, which I want. And, you know, he had a picture of Ezra Bridger uh, in the background. And it was kind of just having a little bit of bants with people, implying that maybe he would be playing Ezra Bridger. And then he went back and kind of retracted that. But then he's done it again. He's done it again. And... What's fascinating is when you look around the net for this, so if you look at like, in, in fact, let me just, I'm going to give you two versions of this. So Inverse versus Small Screen. So these are two websites, Inverse and Small Screen. And they're both reporting it a little differently. Number one, Inverse is reporting Rahul Kali sets the Ezra Bridger rumours straight, Mandalorian Season 2 as the prefix. And then Small Screen is using the prefix exclusive, the Mandalorian Season 3 will feature Ezra Bridger in a key role. Now, I kind of want to unpack this because I'm getting a little bit worried about Mandalorian. Getting a little bit worried about Mandalorian. Um, Fine. Okay, we know that probably Ahsoka is going to show up and we know that um, Tamura Morrison will show in some way or form, whether that's as Captain Rex, whether it's... It might even be Cody, doubtful. But it might even be Cody. It could be Boba Fett, all right? That's not what I'm here to discuss. But we know that that is probably somewhere, somehow going to kind of happen, all right? But I just worry, is the Mandalorian being given too much to handle, all right? So let's just kind of go back a a step to the beginning of season one. The Mandalorian, for me, succeeded so very, very well because it was new and it was fresh and it was kind of standalone outside of the Tatooine episode, which frankly I thought was the weakest episode of, of episode of season one. And I think it was because it felt like they were trying to cram in, oh, look at that, it's the cantina. Like Tatooine's a big place. Why have they gone to that cantina? You know, that, there was no real need for that, but I, okay, I, it's fine. I could get away with it. That could have been any old planet, all right? Now, I think because it's been a success and because it's a flagship, I mean, Disney Plus has got 65 million users in just about a year. Just about a year in the US. Bear in mind, it didn't launch in the UK until much, much later, early early 2020, March, April 2020. It's got 65 million paying users, all right? Now, assuming that's 65 million paying the, the one-off annual cost, which I'm sure it is not. I'm sure they're paying, obviously, they're paying the, uh, the, the, the monthly subscription. That's $3.25 billion per year, all right? It's doing all right. It's doing all right. Now... When, in my view, when I've ever seen a network, and I know Disney Plus arguably is not a network, but, you know, for the sake of this conversation, it is. You know, when when I've ever seen a network stumble across an accidental success. Now, I know Mandalorian was planned to be a success, but I don't know if they expected it to be as big as it is because of Baby Yoda, because of, uh, of the Boba Fett kind of imagery. You know, I'm not entirely sure that they expected it to be the big deal that it became. And... 
What worries me is that when I've seen things become hits, they've done too much too soon with them. So things like Arrow, you know, even things like the MCU in the early stages of the the, the Agents of Shield TV show and, and and the Inhumans, you know, frankly they just weren't very good. And and you know, Arrowverse in particular, the Arrowverse, you know, Arrow started to do all right. It was season one was solid. It was very good as a Green Arrow fan. It was actually really good. Season two, a little bit weaker, but then just got fantastic at the end because, well, it just got crazy. And it declined thereafter. There was not really a great season of Arrow after that. But during season two, they backdoor piloted Flash and then subsequently did Supergirl and subsequently did um, Batwoman and, and, and Black Lightning, joined the fray, Legends of Tomorrow. And the entire Arrowverse, for me, kind of just went downhill because it was too much. It was fatigue. You know, we were getting tired of this. So... I'm a little bit concerned that too much is being placed on the Mandalorian shoulders. You know, we, we've got this Ruwa Kalai um, rumor, which has been stoked by the man himself. We've got rumors of, of, of Grand Admiral Thrawn, but we've also got these rumors of, like I said, a Sokotano and, and Captain Rex and Boba Fett. Now, that's all well and good. You know, I'm all for mythology. You know me. If you, if you follow this show, like, this is the stuff that gets me going interconnected universes um you know i'm currently just rereading the dark tower stuff which is stephen king and just the fact that it's all interconnected with his other stable of work is just a mind-blowing just orgasm for me i I absolutely love it and so you know that like if 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 they were gonna do something that would get me turned on it would be this it would be put ezra Ezra bridger it would be put thrown in there it would be put book 10 cries sabine wren it would be put all these people together. But I'm just a bit worried because The Mandalorian succeeded in season one because it was so standalone. It was. Apart from that Tatooine episode, it was so very standalone. You know, Baby Yoda, cute. Um, but there were some great characters. You know, Grief Karga, that, uh, played by the fantastic Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, you would fever. Um, we got Cara Doom, which I'm going to get to in a second, who was a nice little mercenary character. You know, we had IG-11, Again, just just a well-put-together droid character, you know, with a bit of an arc, you know, a bit of an arc. Um, and it just, it just worries me that they're going to do too much. So let's flip forward to why they might do this. Let's think about why they want to do this. Well, obviously, it's to keep people watching. You know, Star Wars is inherently now interconnected. You know, we have books that tell the story of Harrison Duller. Uh, you know, Alphabet Squadron. We've got Cal uh, Ketsis in uh, Jedi Fallen Order. We have all of these different characters that are now able to play a part because, of course, the Star Wars Skywalker saga is finished. And, of course, you know, we're probably going to see a little bit more Luke Skywalker. There's a rich 30-year tapestry to be woven uh, between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens, which I'm still convinced we're going to see more of. But inherently now, these things are being designed to be interconnected. Um, and I think this is... You know, when you look at what Marvel are doing, when you look at what DC are doing, first and foremost, of course, the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the DCEU, their, their attempt at this, which they're now re, kind of revamping by bringing uh, the multiverse into play with Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck, both playing Batman alongside uh, potentially another world's Robert Pattinson in the Flash movie. You know, you start to see Marvel doing this with Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness. Uh, we've seen Doctor Strange confirmed for Spider-Man 3. We've also seen Jamie Foxx back as Electro from Spider-Man 2, the amazing Spider-Man 2 that featured Andrew Garfield. We've got those rumours that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield will reprise their roles alongside Tom Holland in the multiversal kind of Spider-Man 3. And, all, you know, all of this stuff is showing interconnectivity. It's playing on nostalgia because what it's doing is it's saying, well, wait a sec. 
the people that are probably spending the money on the movies are the people that were, you know, the kids when Michael Keaton was Batman and the, the, the people that loved Affleck as Batman are the geeks. And now, you know, we, we've got Tobey Maguire. He was arguably one of the early superhero incarnations on screen that kicked off this version of the superhero trend. You know, arguably Michael Keaton's Batman did that. Um, but ultimately, you know, this phase of it, we, I don't think we can quite go far back as far back as, as the Superman original in 1978, I think that was sort of the previous gen of, of superhero movies. So arguably Keaton kind of kicked this off, followed by Blade uh, in 98, X-Men 2000, X-Men 2, what, 2002, 2003, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire 2002. So it's all very much the same generation of things where if they pull these people in, they will attract people like me and Gaz because it's like, holy crap, look at this, Tobey Maguire's back, Andrew Garfield's back, this is badass. Um, and it plays on that interconnected nature. So you fast forward now to what Disney are trying to do, and I think they're trying to emulate that. You know, you've got Kevin Feige, who's potentially involved in Star Wars. You've ultimately got John Favreau, who's largely responsible for the early days of the MCU Phase One, and has been involved right through to the end of Endgame and, and, and this this most recent phase that we've seen on screen. And these architects of of Marvel's cinematic success are suddenly involved in Star Wars. So of course. You know, the powers that be that have seen this this investment in Disney, this investment in Marvel, in, in Star Wars, you know, they're going to want to see a little bit of that green that came through the MCU flowing through Star Wars as well, through that brand, through that IP. Um, so I do understand why they would start to try and interconnect things, but it's, it's, it's always fascinating to me because I feel like they often do it too soon. You know, if you think about what happened when Disney took over Star Wars, it was like, we've got The Force Awakens, brilliant. And we've announced this Obi-Wan movie and the Boba Fett or the Mandalorian movie. Then we've announced we're going to do a movie every single year for the next 500 years. And then, you know, it kind of derailed a little bit. You know, Solo didn't do so well because of its May release slot and some people just not liking it. You know, Rogue One, even though it's a fantastic film, financially, did it do as well as people wanted? I don't know, you know. It depends who you listen to. But the point that I'm getting at here is that Disney has got the tendency to kind of run before it walks when it comes to announcements with Star Wars. And I feel like The Mandalorian has been put at the centre because it seems to have these big, broad shoulders that can take it because it's done so well. It seems to have these big, broad shoulders because it it, it got the season two production done during, well, pre-COVID. You know, it wrapped up just before the pandemic really caught um, and you look at what John Favreau is saying, you know, he's saying that because it's a very small production, because of that innovative technology, that immersive, um, you know, that immersive kind of um, production stage that they've got, that 3D stage that they've got, they're able to st- still produce where other people aren't able to produce. So when you start to put this together, it puts the Mandalorian in a position where it has a lot on its shoulders. So it's easy for that to become the kind of, well, guess what? Season three is going to have all these things. Now, I did see another rumour this week, which is that Cara Dune was going to have her own spin-off series. And you just think, well, just wait a second. You know, just wait a second. Let's do The Mandalorian Season 2 very, very well first. And then let's see what sticks. Let's see what sticks. Because as much as we love Ahsoka Tano, and as much as after the Clone Wars Season 7 finished and chronologically Rebels finished... You know, we want to see more of a circa. We want to see more of a circa. We want to see more Cal- Cal-Ketsis. 
You've only got to look at the um, the recent Disney's Galaxy's Edge announcements this week. It was they ran a vote, a poll uh, in the world, basically saying what lightsabers do you want to see available to purchase next at Galaxy's Edge in Calcetsis, and the Sokotanos came out top, and thus they're going in, into production. So the Star Wars fandom wants to see more of these people, but is the Mandalorian the right vehicle for it? You know, fine, Ahsoka, I can see having a link. I can see Sabine Wren, Bo-Katan cries because of the Darksaber, of course. But what happens with Ezra Bridger? What happens with Thrawn? You know, there's tenuous ties there to Ahsoka, to Eris Indola, to Sabine Wren. But what happens when it gets to be another story that's not the Mandalorian? So what we've got, I think what we've got to just consider here is that whilst we all want to see these things return, and we really do, like I want to see an Ezra Bridger in live action more than anyone, and I want to see Ahsoka Tano, I want to see Grand Admiral Thrawn, I want to see Sabine Wren, I want to see all these people that we've come to know and love over four, five, six, seven seasons of any given animated series, but I want it to be done in such a way that it's not just backdoor pilot after backdoor pilot. You know, if you've got a short run, what, seven to ten episodes of The Mandalorian in any given season, and one or two of those are backdoor pilots for other things, You've got to be really careful to progress the Mandalorian story and let that story be its own story. Now, I know that I'm kind of, I know, you know, kind of uh, adding a bit of cynicism to this. And I do have that worry for the Mando. I think it's got a lot to stand up to. I think it's got the, you know, it's the difficult sophomore season. I think it's the difficult second book. You know, the season two is, is, is the tough one. It always is with TV shows. It always is. And I do think that, I do think that we've got to be careful with it, but at the same time, by the you know the flip of the coin, on the other side of that coin, I do think we have people like Dave Filoni. I do think that we have people like John Favreau. Now, if anyone can pull this off, it is, of course, those guys. And I think John Favreau and Kevin Feige, and, and obviously Filoni from a Star Wars perspective in particular, if you look at what um, if you look at what Feige and um, Favreau have done, Feige in particular, you'd think in terms of architecting, architecting the MCU, you know, that I don't think there's been any outside of the hardcore Marvel readers. And I mean the hardcore, I don't think there's been any adaptation over to a movie, at least that has been badly done, you know, sure. Spider-Man, was kind of a bit of an Iron Man junior, but that was all right because it fit in the context of the MCU. So I kind of, I do have faith that these people that are running it, Feige, potentially involved, you know, Favs, you've got Filoni. I'm, I'm fairly sure that these people are the people to do it. I, I, I wouldn't want to entrust it. You know, there's Pablo Hidalgo, of course, that's probably involved as well somewhere. These are great people. They've given us the mythology of the Clone Wars. They've given us the mythology of Rebels, they've given us the Dark Saber, they've given us the World Between Worlds, they've given us Kane and Jarrus, they've given us Harrison Duller, they've given us Ahsoka, they've given us Sabine Wren, they've interwoven all of those stories with everything that's come before it, and, you know, arguably, potentially now, everything that's following it, and if anyone can do it, I do believe it is these guys, but I just have that worry that the Mandalorian might be asked to do too much too soon. And I worry for that. I just don't want that to be the case. So what do you think? You know, I'm going to wrap up in a second, but what do you think? Is this something that, you know, you're concerned about? Is it something that I should be concerned about? You know, what, what are we going to see in the Mandalorian? Not only season two, but through to season three and beyond. Will this be the springboard for multiple 
series on Disney Plus? Will it be the springboard for new movies? What will we see? What would you like to see? And do you concern yourself with some of the things that I've just gone into? Let's talk about it. Hit us up on the socials. You can hit me up personally at Mr. Asquith, M-R-A-S-Q-U-I-T-H, at Mr. Asquith on Twitter or Instagram. Let's just shoot the breeze. Let's chat Star Wars and uh, obviously search for Spark Rebellion. So next week, we're going to be back to the news. Gaz is going to be back. I'm going to be back. We'll be back together for the first time in a month. We're going to be recapping the news. We're going to be doing some deep dive discussion. And of course, just getting back to the fantastic format that you know and love. So thank you for supporting us. Through this time, you know, we wanted to keep publishing and we've done that. So thanks to Gaz for holding the fort over the last month. And until the next time, do remember that the force will be with you always. Always.